And now for something completely different. Welcome to Shout Out. Out of the closet and into your ears. Hello and welcome to a Back to Lockdown Shout Out. I'm Andy Shilton. And I'm Steffi Barnett. Today on the show, Brigstow 5 report and those queer scientists are back. Uh, plus, we'll bring you the latest updates about the BBC, and we're not talking about the election. All today, right here on Shadow. So, hello, welcome to Shout Out, uh, again, back in lockdown. Um, obviously, we, well, we're recording this the night before, so you will have locked down this morning when you're hearing this. Um, but in case we sound a bit different to what we would normally sound in the studio, um, it's because we've gone back to what we did in March, and we're all remote. Um, and, of course, it's fireworks time as well, so um, you'll hear Steffi blow up a few times, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> a few pops and bangs in the background. <laughs> So, wow. How are we all? Right, thank um, um, you. Yeah, well, I shouldn't really ask it like that because I make it sound all fun. It's not. We're locked down, but we understand why. Um, and it's nice. We managed to keep the show going. So, yes. Yeah, I think this time around, at least we know what to expect. You know, so it's it's a little less daunting for most people. Yeah, and it's it's a set month. Although they have said they might extend it, so I, I, I don't know. But, but the shout out continues, which is nice, thanks to the modern technology. I suppose at least this time we didn't have to run around like um, um, rabbits trying to figure out how on earth we keep going in lockdown because we kind of luckily were able to do it before. Rabbits. Normally, people go with flies, blue. Flies. Yeah, that's why I didn't go with <laughs> <Yes>. flies. <laughs> <laughs> we, were, we were trying we were trying to be polite you see and rabbits do hop about a lot they do yes so. they do anyway extremely <laughs> packed show um, coming up today Steph might say something at some point I'm really not sure um, um, I couldn't get a word in edgeways as usual you're on send <laughs> and of course in the studio I can reach your off button but I can't <laughs> so. so, it's fine I can reach your off button but then that's yeah, I'm sure you can <laughs> <laughs> So, but no, um, seriously, a uh, very packed show today. I've uh, got a nice uh, big queer scientists for you, haven't we, Hans? Yep, and it's a really oh, good yeah. subject matter, really interesting this week. Um, it and is. we'll be catching up with Brigstone, but more importantly, the, the big one, not to like diss anything else on the show because it's all really good stuff, but the big one is, of course, um, well, quite simply, all hell let loose with the BBC and us this week, didn't it? Yeah, it did. Um, um, with with certain announcements they made that if you've been following the news, we initially thought meant that um, people that worked at the BBC could not go to Pride. And of course, mm-hmm. we broadcast with them at Pride every year. So, um, But thanks to um, people like the lovely Steph here and um, Terry, uh, we've done a lot of research, contacted a lot of people. And we'll have a big update for you um, later on in the show uh, where we'll tell you everything that happened mm-hmm. and everything that we've heard back from the BBC and others. Um, about it so uh, stay tuned for that that's coming up a little bit later on so so what do you do what do you do um, firework wise when you're in lockdown 
We can't really do them, uh, can you? We do, well, when we're on radio, we just make the noise. <laughs> I've, I've, added, I've added lots of sound effects in the whole way through the show tonight. Honestly. You have, you That's have. I hired hands. Did you notice that there? Oh, that was the first time it went off. <laughs> you, you could have inside sparklers, but I think a Catherine wheel might be pushing it a little bit too far. You could do a Catherine wheel. You, I you can do hula. You can do I hula. Can. Yes, so, I might do Ter- Ter- Terry can Terry can do hula better than you. Can he? Ooh. Yeah. Well, I'm going to do hula hooping whilst eating hula hoops. So there, I win. <laughs> I don't think I could fit into a hula hoop. I'm, oh, I'm sure you could. <laughs> I can even hula hoop round my neck. You know. I don't know if that's a good thing or not. I don't think that's yeah, a good no, idea. I would no. say that's not a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, d- yeah, don't do this don't at home. Anyway, let's as well. So <laughs> let's crack straight on. Um, let's uh, head over and catch up with uh, Alan at Brigstow. Have a listen to this. We'll be back in a minute. My five on shout out. Hello and welcome to the November edition of the Brigstone My Five. It's me, Alid. I hope you're all well. Now, the biggest news we've got for you this month is that we've just released our World AIDS Day programme for 2020. Um, so we have a week's worth of events that begin from the 23rd of November, which is the Monday. Um, at midday, we're going to be raising the red ribbon flag outside City Hall on College Green. Then throughout the week, we've got numerous events from a free HIV awareness training to panel discussions, intergenerational conversations in partnership with Freedom Youth and Facebook Live. On Saturday, the 28th of November, we will be streaming our World AIDS Day celebration online. Uh, keep up to date with our social medias on that because um, we are still planning that as we speak. And on Monday, the 1st of December, which is World AIDS Day, we will be holding an online virtual vigil. So all of the details on how you can register for these events and the description and with more information on each one, do check out our World AIDS Day program. Um, all of the events are free to register. And if you just log on to the website at www.brigstow.org, every single event is in our program, which is under latest news. What you will also notice as well on World AIDS Day is that a number of the Bristol buildings are going to be lit up red to mark World AIDS Day. Some of these include Temple Meads, um, the Wills Memorial Building and Ashton Gate Stadium. So do have a look at that. Take pictures if you are doing your daily exercise and tweet them and Instagram them with the hashtag turn Bristol red. Another big thing that we're doing for World AIDS Day this year is our red ribbon campaign. Now, every year, these boxes and our red ribbons help raise hundreds of pounds um, for us and provide us with vital funds to carry on raising awareness and reducing stigma. Now, we can't distribute these red ribbon boxes this year because of COVID-19. And many of the venues are obviously going to be closed. So we are running a text 
campaign. So if you were going to get a red ribbon this year, you can now text us your donation instead and post a picture of you wearing a red ribbon from a previous year onto your social medias or just change your profile picture temporarily, including the many World AIDS Day banners that Facebook and Instagram will have in their site. So to text us that donation, you can text BRIGWAD space 5 or BRIGWAD space 10 and that's B-R-I-G-W-A-D space 5 or 10 to 70085 and that way you can donate 5 or 10 pounds to Brigstow um, all of the donation will be received by us and um, texts are charged at your standard rate plus your donation please try and get involved if you can join our events or donate and um, it will be great to see how many people we can get involved this year and show people living with HIV that there is still a need and that we all still support them I'll be joining you during the World AIDS Day program on the Thursday of that week for a special shout out takeover but until then thank you and goodbye if you have a story you could tell in five minutes get in contact Visit us online at shoutoutradio.lgbt. Shout out. LGBT Radio for you. This is Shoutout News on Thursday the 5th of November. Italian LGBTQ plus radio station DGA Radio, one of several TV and radio media aimed at our community in the Italian peninsula, reports that His Holiness Pope Francis has not tired of offering olive branches to LGBTQ plus Roman Catholics, despite howls of protests from arch-conservatives, some of whom have even had the temerity to attack the Holy Father because of his conciliatory language around same-sex unions and homosexuals within the lay family of worshippers. You may remember that several weeks ago many media outlets reported that the Pope had spoken of his beliefs that homosexuals have the right to a family life. D-Gay Radio says that the Pontiff is to appoint several key gay-friendly theologians to the College of Cardinals. Wilton Gregory, formerly of the Archdiocese of Washington, advocated equal rights in family life, employment and worship for all, regardless of sexuality, as did Mario Grech, who was formerly based on the island of Gozo. And Father Marcello Samariario has pursued a liberal path even writing a forward to the progressive book homosexual people and christian morality the vatican's own media has not commented on the reports of these appointments in the italian secular media although our media watchers continue to monitor the vatican's own radio and tv networks for any further clarification humanist and atheist observers of the reforms in rome meanwhile have with some mirth pointed out that ultra conservative catholics are now showing themselves to be anti-pope and anti-church when it suits their particular homophobic viewpoints the BBC News Channel reports that the gay actor and raconteur John Sessions has passed on at the age of 67. 
Best remembered for his panel game expertise on programmes such as Channel 4's Whose Line Is It Anyway and BBC 2's QI, Sessions was described as funny and kind by Mira Sayal and by the staff of QI, which is currently hosted by the lesbian comic Sandy Toxvig, as having an incredible wit and an encyclopedic knowledge. He had first taken his one-man show to the stage as early as 1979 and then began to forge a career as an uncannily accurate impressionist for the ITV satirical programme Spitting Image, which started in the summer of 1984. He was also an actor, trained at RADA, and his on-screen accomplishments include parts in Porterhouse Blue, Gormengast, and playing the former Prime Minister Edward Heath in The Iron Lady. On radio, he cut his teeth on BBC Radio Scotland before many, many appearances on panel shows on BBC Radio 4. Although proud of his Ayrshire roots, Mr Sessions had little time for Scottish independence, and in his rare forays into politics, he argued for the abolition of separate governments for Wales and Scotland, and for British withdrawal of from the European Union, a position that sometimes put him at loggerheads with other gay celebrities. Sessions was involuntarily outed by the tabloid press in 1994, during a period when relationships between gay people and the right-wing papers were fractious to say the least, although increasingly being challenged by the direct action of groups such as Outrage and the Lesbian Avengers. However, his sexuality had always been known in media circles and on London's gay scene where he starred in the AIDS-era comedy my Night with Reg. The Guardian newspaper this week referred to the cruelty of the tabloid journalist who outed Mr Sessions, noting that his mother died very soon after the publication. The paper in question, being the London Evening Standard, has never apologised to Mr Sessions nor to the wider LGBT community for its reportage during that period. Mr Sessions' agent says that he, he had had a heart complaint and that he passed away on Monday the 2nd of November. Coincidentally, this was also the 38th anniversary of the launch of Channel 4, that avant-garde network which brought him to national attention in the 80s. That's John Sessions, gay actor, entertainer and intellect, who was passed on at the age of 67. Guns N' Roses frontperson Axel Rose has not always been in the good books of the LGBTQ community. Way back in the late 1980s, he released a track which he later concluded had used racist and homophobic slurs, explaining that as a younger man he had had bad experiences with black and gay people. Still, that was a long time ago, and as early as 1992, Axel was performing with Alton John in the International AIDS Memorial Concert for the late Queen frontman and bisexual Asian hero Freddie Mercury. This week, as America went to the polls, Rose tweeted his fellow Americans with a message that many took to be an endorsement of the political left. Vote for the future of our country, our planet, your planet, this planet, the only planet we have. Kerrang Radio, the rock station, reports that Rose had already clashed with the incumbent president, Mr Trump, taking legal advice after the Republican Party used his music at their campaign rallies. Kerrang also reported on other metal and rock artists that the Trump administration has fallen out with. These include Panic at the Disco, Ozzy Osbourne and Twisted Sister. The Horror Channel, which is a CBS-operated free-to-view TV network in the UK and has a significant following amongst gothic LGBTQ people, is broadcasting a series of movies on possession during November. Why does this affect our new cast? Well, steady yourselves, because a new, and it must be said, somewhat eccentric report claims that your sexuality is the consequence of possession by, wait for it, an opposite gender ghost. Yes, this story broke just after Halloween, but appears to be no spoof, although it has generated massive amounts of hilarity on the LGBTQ and atheist web. The long-standing atheistic magazine The Free Thinker takes up the story, reporting that the self-appointed spiritualist expert giant Balaji Avad 
Avavale, who heads up a small spiritualist cult, has published a, re a report by one Josh Milton, which claims that, quote, the main reason because of the gay orientation of some men is that they are possessed by female ghosts. It is the female ghost in them that is attracted to other men. Conversely, the attraction to females experienced by some lesbians is due to the presence of male ghosts in them. Apparently, the telltale signs that you are under ghostly possession is an urge to, quote, strangle someone. Barry Duke, the editor of The Freethinker, notes, yes, gay people do want to strangle someone, namely these idiots. Many people online chimed in to express their amusement at the bizarre report and to tear its assumptions to pieces. And we might note that there is absolutely no scientific basis or research from any creditable organisation to support the idea of ghostly possession of gay people. And even amongst groups that do advocate for a spiritual realm in the afterlife, the idea propagated by Mr Avavale and Josh Milton is considered at best a highly fringe belief. For these news stories and more, you can check out our website at shoutoutradio.lgbt. News. This has been Hans Peregrine and Terry Starr. Shout out news, national and international LGBT news for you. Shout out LGBT radio for you. And welcome back to Queer Science. We are your queer scientists. Yes, I'm Lara, and today I'm here with Hans again, my lovely Hans, um, to <laughs> chat about understanding individuals' brains and what positive research can mean for the trans community. Indeed, we are. We so are. we are indeed. So <laughs> on today's pod for shout out LGBT Radio and Creative Tuition, mm. we're going to be delving into how there's been some like really exciting and profoundly important research that um, shows the direct links with being a transsexual and the ways in which scientists have discovered that the brains of transsexual people almost always directly correlates with the gender they feel they are. No way, that's insane. Like, because you know, there's been a recent parliamentary decision not to move forward with the Gender Recognition mm. Act, and which really did startle me. Um, yeah. Which we and we really we all hoped for that. Um, mm. And the fact that there's now a three to five year wait for transsexual people yeah. to receive medical help and support um, that they so desperately need. Like they, we all <sighs> the need for it is like immense. It um, is. And so then it's more now more important to discuss and to have more research around the trans brain um, and to understand it mm. in a way that hasn't been done before, do you not think? Yeah, I think it's so important because obviously, you know, the NHS, I guess you could say, is doing its, it the best it can. Yeah. But what people are having to do is, is uh, you know, do GoFundMes and privately fund their, their own um, procedures and mm. own medical support, which is incredibly difficult, if not impossible, for a huge part of the trans community, exactly. um, which is why I wanted to read more about the subject. Yeah, so um, tell me a little bit about it. So, so basically, it was... Um, an investigation, I guess, into trying to understand young trans people's brains mm -hmm. um, and the results um, correlated directly with what trans people believe and that's their wholehearted beliefs that sex does not automatically correlate with a person's gender. Not at all. Exactly. And therefore a person's anatomy 
does not automatically link with how they feel mm-hmm. um, and it supports them in their want to live I guess in a way that allows their bodies to look and feel the way they feel internally mm-hmm. um, and then of course feeling truly connected with who they are yeah so I mean because like we all, transsexual people don't always have dysphoria um, mm. many do but not all of them do and mm-hmm. um, I think people with gender dysphoria may feel very uncomfortable um, with the gender that they're assigned at birth which sometimes described as um, a very uncomfortable feeling in the body um, mm. but yeah transgenderism is a, an experience or an identification with a gender different to the one that's assigned um, about uh, well assigned at birth um mm. so the biological sex um yeah whilst gender dysphoria is the distress experienced by transgender um, people and uh, may be present from a very young age and it, that could be i can imagine that can be very destabilizing and i, I would mm. never want to speak for anyone in the trans community i'm i'm an mm. advocate and an ally um but i've i've seen that it's mm. it, it does occur from quite a young age and it's quite lonely and isolating especially sure. when there's no language around to explain yeah and there's no science behind it i think a lot of people can take for granted the fact that the science we know is quite heteronormative and Mm. people from the lgbt plus community and other communities don't really get to understand about themselves because it's very Mm. this one tracked do you know what i mean kind of rhetoric yeah exactly and you said it yourself there you know that isolation can just sort of continue on throughout um throughout somebody's life because their experience can feel very much their own and that they're alone in it so i think with research um like this that we're going to be talking about in a bit more depth Mm. it it just kind of enables people to feel that there is some hope and in them being understood and including being understood medically scientifically not just having the emotional support but Mm. having the emotional uh, sorry but having the scientific um backup Mm. to to say actually yeah this this is a thing you know and uh, to have a body that doesn't feel connected with the mind as you were saying can cause a massive sense of unease um can lead to depression and anxiety and have a harmful impact on daily life and this can also be true of individuals who identify as gender queer gender non-conforming non-binary individuals mm-hmm. and those who are intersex and it's also known that cisgendered people can experience this which yeah. is often not discussed but um can obviously be well and because of that can be quite an unknown thing yeah very much so um and so yeah i wanted to also like talk about later on about the role of our education systems and, and understanding mm. science um because i think that's also important and how does this information trickle down into the younger generations like who mm. disseminates this like uh, this information because it's important not just for for us to know but for the wider populace i feel to, for everyone to know about this um, mm. and how do we also make sure that all the research that is being done is done in an ethical progressive way sure. for trans people because there's also a double-edged sword to this the fact that i trans people always have to be included in this kind of research mm. as in like in the processing mm. and making sure that it's ethical do you think mm. like there, there's something to be said around that um but we'll go on to that later first i want to hear um where was this like first presented like what was this um yeah where was this first done so the study that i focused on um was titled brain activity and structure in transgender adolescence Mm -hmm. um it was researched into uh, in quite some depth and it showed that the brain more closely resembles the typical activation patterns of a person's desired gender Mm -hmm. um it was conducted and presented in barcelona Mm -hmm. um in 2018 for the european society of endocrinology okay quite Um, official 
Oh yeah, very official and um, very, very important. And I must say that what's incredibly interesting about this is as somebody who's part of the LGBTQ plus community, I didn't have any idea that this had happened. No. Um, and I feel like that that's another problem. There's just yeah. no publicity. No. Um, so people aren't aware that actually there is founded research, um, mm-hmm. important research. Um, I feel important because it supports transsexuals in their beliefs that their parts are not their gender, basically, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and can offer a reassurance um, and shuts down that closed-minded, uneducated, transphobic idea that, mm-hmm. you know, you've kind of got to live your life as a sex you were assigned at birth, and that just isn't true. No. Um, nor is it for us or for anyone else to dictate to anyone else how they how they live their lives. No, exactly, and, like, transgender people have, um, have a complete right to see and hear about their... their the research that's been done and mm. conducted with them in mind because again right. like it, it makes you feel like you have a place but also mm. i i want to stress the fact that it has to be again done with trans people in mind like yeah. we don't want to already make a very like a vulnerable group strong but vulnerable group mm. more vulnerable by the research mm. that we're doing so mm. that's why it's important to encourage like more like mm. diversity and um education of transgender people because more needs to be I feel like more needs to be done um yeah I think also because of everything that's been going on um in the media recently with people such as JK Rowling mm, um I mean it's quite incredible how many cis heterosexual people often women and often trans exclusionary radical so-called feminists um think they have a right to any opinion on this (laughs) so-called especially when they haven't even bothered to educate themselves properly you know so like reading articles um generally what they seem to be doing is just reading articles that support their harmful ideas Mm. Um, and what what I kind of was saying earlier as well is that if people are made more aware that this kind of positive inclusive quite incredible research is being done then you know unless you're being particularly purposely ignorant you're going to accidentally or on purpose educate yourself but I find the thing is even if we presented this as an as a idea they'll present something else that says something different of course you know what I mean because it's not people don't want to believe in this like jk rowling she could be presented with i feel the, the greatest amount of evidence mm-hmm. saying that trans women are women um yeah. they the people you're talking about going into toilets aren't trans women mm-hmm. um and so educating her on that and getting her to understand mm-hmm. that if she can't understand this basis she's not going to read a whole paper about no. and this is why it has to be pushed from like bottom up and top down it's exactly. got to be it's got to be people demand people mm. to know this knowledge like it's got to be exactly. like in the syllabus it's got to be understood mm. at ground level as well as top mm. down because otherwise you get jk rowlings who are in people of power positions yeah who have massive influence to wield mm. the pen and wield it in such a unsatisfactory unnecessary way Exactly. Um, I'm a little bit aware of time, so I just want to kind of bring it a little bit back to um, to some of the findings yeah. Tell me uh, about for the about. listeners. So they strongly suggested that differences in brain function mm-hmm. um, occur early in development mm-hmm. and that brain imaging um, was a successful tool for earlier identification of transgenderism in young people. Um, so what they're talking about there is literally looking at the brain and listening to the person who is saying i am male or i am female Mm -hmm. um however i was born in a body that says different Mm -hmm. then being able to do an ecg and that brain scan confirms what that young person is saying and i just think that that that's just so how does it confirm it though how does it 
It's, it's all to do with the fact that when they scanned um, cis females mm-hmm. and cis males, they captured the imaging of those brains and had a look into um, the activity. Mm-hmm. And then they compared that to, mm-hmm. to trans young people who were stating that they were male or female. And mm-hmm. what they saw is a direct correlation. Mm-hmm. So you could match the two together and say, that looks the same yeah you know okay. irrespective of of what they've been assigned at birth mm. their brains look the same yeah 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 and different from the other counterparts i'm guessing exactly so um a trans woman who was obviously born in a male body and assigned male at birth mm. their brain looks almost exactly the same as somebody who was born in a female body um, and assigned female at birth Oh, God, this research. Yes. Okay. Is there anything else that we uh, we need to talk about? Like, I want to. I want to hear. So, um, from Dr. Julie Baker from the Mm. University of League in Belgium and her colleagues, Mm. um, who's a gender dysphoria. Yeah. So she did study. Seriously, examined um, sex differences in the brain. Um, activation patterns of young transgender people. The study mm-hmm. included both ad- oh, okay, so adolescent boys and girls with gender dysphoria, and they yeah. use MRI scans. Tell me about that. Yeah, so it was basically what was um, sort of touched on just a minute ago. So they they got uh, a group of young people to agree and wished to, who wanted to participate mm-hmm. um, in this, and by looking at the brains in a lot of detail it brought about results that sort of proved that they are who they said they were Mm. okay well we have a part two coming up because this needs more explanation um Mm. but thank you hans for this beautiful research and i hope we can discuss this more have a part three um part four because this the conversation shouldn't stop right exactly there's so much more to say so thank you for listening thank you bye 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 Shout out. LGBT radio for you. Uh, Annie Lennox there, or more precisely, the Eurythmics and yeah. um, Sweet Dreams. Yeah. Remember that in the charts. Mm. Yeah, it's a good track, Sweet Dreams. Mm. Yeah, no, I like that. Um, used to be a karaoke one I used to do with with a, with a friend of mine. Not, not so much these days. Back wow. in my um, goth um, days, um, which lasted for about six months, I uh, preferred the Marilyn Manson version. Oh gosh! Oh, is there a Marilyn Manson? I have to look that up. Yeah, there is. Mm. I was thirty years old when that charted. Oh, oh. That's the year I was, uh, I was, was ten. Minus two. Um, anyway um, moving on to um, uh, actually quite a more serious subject Um, I think I'm not like playing it down when I say all hell let loose this week with the BBC am I Um, I mean do tell me if you think I'm exaggerating a bit I was gobsmacked when I first read the breaking story that came out Um, especially considering the fact that we work well, not work because we don't get paid, but every year we broadcast Pride with the BBC. We have done for the last couple of years, and this year, unfortunately, didn't happen because of COVID, but it was supposed to be bigger than ever. Mm. Um, and I remember reading it thinking, oh my God, is it going to affect that and our relationship mm. with, with the BBC? Um, if you're listening and wondering what on earth I'm going on about, um, I'm actually going to ask Terry to fill us in. Um, Terry, could, could you give yeah. us a kind of a synopsis of 
what was what said, what, 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 what kind of kicked it off and made us react the way we have done? Well, I think um, in order to understand what happened, you need a little bit of background. And of course, because we have listeners all over the world, it's important to give a bit of background. The BBC is the UK's public service broadcaster and is actually the world's oldest broadcaster. Um, started in 1922. Gosh, um, is it really that old? It's, <laughs> yes, they're, they're coming up to their centenary. And um, although uh, the BBC was felt by many historians to take the government's side in the great general strike in the mid-twenties and became a public corporation for the government afterwards. So although it's quite a conservative institution culturally, um, since the 1980s it's often found itself criticised by political conservatives. Mrs Thatcher in particular didn't like the BBC terribly much, uh, especially when they did things like put a teacher from our home city of Bristol on the Nationwide programme who totally mopped the floor <laughs> with her. That's quite a favour. That's on YouTube if you want to have a look. Um, so the BBC has had a reputation in the last 30 years for being quite left-wing much the same way that PBS in America is uh, accused of being biased to the left uh, and there have been calls in recent years for the TV licence fee to be abolished and a new TV network is planned called GB News which is going to take a more right-wing slant although obviously in Britain broadcasters have to be reasonably mm. impartial so against all this going on this criticism from the government and this long-term feeling from some of the right-wing papers that the BBC is a leftist mouthpiece a new director general was appointed in September there's a man called Tim Davy, and he'd already said back in August that the BBC's programming must and I quote find a better balance of satirical targets than constantly aiming jokes at the Tories I think they're he was referring to some of the panel shows on BBC Radio 4 and that, which kind of do lampoon the Conservative government quite a lot. Yeah, but don't so, they also lampoon the Labour Party when they're in? They the do, they do. And people on the left, people like Owen Jones in The Guardian and that, also say that the BBC is too right-wing and culturally right-wing and mm. white male. I mean, to some extent, the BBC can't win. Do you know what I mean? Because it's being criticised by different sides. Anyway, on the 29th of October, the BBC published and even emailed its staff across the UK some new guidelines which is uh, are about their participation in what could be considered politically sensitive events and the aim of these new guidelines which are up on the BBC's website if you want to read them in detail they're about a thousand words long uh, is to preserve the BBC's impartiality in the public eye however the new guidance uh, according to the Guardian newspaper in introduced a ban on reporters participating in public demonstrations or gatherings about controversial issues. Uh, and to make matters somewhat more charged, journalists in BBC newsrooms uh, told newspapers that managers informed them that whilst pride marches were not specifically mentioned by Tim Davies' guidelines, journalists would be stopped from attending due to the new rules. In one case, a journalist was told that um, in particular because there's a lot of anxiety or furore over transgender rights recently stoked up by the right wing and some radical feminists this now meant that pride events were off limits they were very political and too controversial for BBC staff to attend so as you can imagine that to make matters worse for BBC management staff apparently were told by the newspaper journalists were in cases told that Black Lives Matter events would also be too 
too radical for them to attend. And to rub it all in, an internal memo used the term virtue signalling to describe some BBC's correspondent's activity. Now, virtue signalling... I was going to say, can I ask what it is? Because that was one thing I didn't understand. Indeed. Now, virtue signalling was first used by the right-wing magazine The Spectator, which is a very old uh, conservative journal founded in 1838. They first used it five years ago, and the term has been used by a lot of people on the political right to kind of attack anyone who takes a stand on LGBT or race or gender equality. So it's very easy to say, oh, Black Lives Matter are just virtue signalers or trans rights activists are virtue signalers and things like that. So uh, that is the background to what happened initially. Um, A lot of people were very anxious. The trade unions got involved. And Steph, I believe that you approached some people from the BBC here in Bristol. Um, yeah, the, the first uh, port call was actually um, BBC Wiltshire, because uh, I right. know some of the uh, presenters over there and uh, the um, guy who actually runs Radio Wiltshire as well. Um, so I, I caught the news in The Guardian and it was released uh, the evening before. So the following morning, I actually contacted Radio Wiltshire. Now, the person I chatted to, who's LGBTQ, did not want to be named, uh, would not make a public statement, and also said that if uh, they did, they'd fear for their jobs. Mm. Uh, I was about to ask why. Yeah, uh, so that was quite... That shocked me a little bit. Um, So I went to Radio Bristol then, and um, I phoned the newsroom and uh, the guy that what was funny is the the reporter was about to go on air so he was under pressure he said you only got 60 seconds and i gotta be on air i said look here's the news are you reporting it and have you any comments and he said i haven't heard anything about that and he said this is crazy he said this is way above my pay grade and that was it it could be that he just hadn't read the email yet (laughs) no exactly but the fact that he said it's above his pay grade (laughs) (laughs) was funny and then he went on air um so then i contacted darren uh from bristol pride and also um emailed uh peter tatchell uh for their comments um is is it worth sorry staff to interrupt is it worth us hearing exactly what darren said absolutely darren replied immediately with this statement hans yeah so um News that staff may be banned from attending Pride events in a personal capacity is deeply disappointing and misguided. As a former member of staff at the BBC, I know firsthand that the BBC is not immune to the challenges faced by LGBT plus employees in the workplace, and we know that employees give and perform their best when they are able to be their authentic selves. I am deeply concerned that this paces the paves the way for an internal Section 28 style policy that will impact on LGBT plus staff and create a climate of fear. I'm also very concerned that this may mean that the BBC will not longer represent all of society through their broadcasting or cover pride in the news to help reach those within the community that are isolated without local LGBT plus venues and pride events who may need to see positive representation the most. Thanks Hans. Thank you. Well, quite, um, a, quite a 
you know, hard hitting responses. Yeah, definitely. Very, very true. I think he and summed think it up echoes, very well. He yeah, did, in fact. Echoes our sentiments here in yep. Shout Out. Um, I sent that quote to Peter Tatchell, who said that he agreed wholeheartedly with Darren's mm. statement and thought it was really well put, like we do as well. He said that um, he was going to um, comment fully at a later date because he was going to set up uh, with his foundation and fight uh, what happened uh, within the BBC. Well, um, I believe it then went on more, didn't it? So, it, in, in it that did. time as well, it wasn't just Peter Tatchell. I believe some of the um, um, unions like Beck Two, um, and UJ, which is the news. Um, um, yep, and we had, a, we had a yep. statement from them as well that was given us by uh, somebody I know within the BBC TV. So, um, have we got that statement, Terry? I don't have that to hand, Steph. I didn't receive that one. Ah, uh, okay. Um, so, w- what they said basically is that um, they would come out and, and fight this, and, and thought that, and basically, that the news was very, very negative. And um, well, I believe to- Beck, from what I read, Beck too were also quite surprised to have not known anything about it before. Yep, there was yeah, no, they were consulted. Yeah. No prior no. warning. So, yeah. from that, I found uh, BBC Radio Bristol uh, Somerset uh, head. They responded, and their deputy was also told to respond. Um, they gave us permission to uh, quote them and said that the, um, the, the Director General had now rescinded his previous orders, so allowing well, staff... That, is it true? Because he never said they couldn't go in the first place. I think he issued a clarification rather yeah. than a rescinding. Yes. Well, it's, yeah, it was a clarification, but it did mean that he'd got the words wrong in the initial uh, press release or email well, to no, staff. To be fair, he never said that they couldn't go. As we've just mentioned that earlier, I mean, as Terry said, um, it was the local ones who said, we think... This it, yeah, I think BBC. people were taking it that it was implicit that nobody could uh, attend yeah. protests. I mean, I'm not disputing it because a lot of the media reported exactly the same thing, that they felt it was that. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was just to do with anything with the protest. So, in fact, it included Black Lives Matter... Yeah, animal rights, anything like yeah, that. Exactly. Extinction uh, uh, Rebellion as well, I believe. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Yeah. I should say the concern and is that obviously it's the way it's been interpreted um, and the clarification is needed because obviously the BBC don't need the bad press over that going forwards. Um, we are rapidly running out of time. We literally, mm. we've got about 20 seconds left. Uh, where are we now? Is it still going on? Are we still pursuing it? Um, I think, I, I think as far as the BBC are concerned, they're, they're OK with it now. It's been clarified yeah. and we've had confirmation that BBC Radio Bristol will work with Shout Out in the future Yay. to do Prides. <laughs> yeah. So, hopefully, all's well that ends well. Yes, indeed. Cool. Listen, it's a story I, that, that um, I never thought I'd see, but um, it's good to get some clarity on it. I'm sure listeners will be grateful to hear the outcome. But uh, that is it uh, for another week. Ooh. As a reminder, Shout Out is looking for new volunteers so if you're interested in radio please get in touch head to shoutoutradio.lgbt and click on the contact link uh, as we said we'll be back next week when we'll be talking to Peter Tatchell um, but from myself from Steph from Andy from Hans and from Terry can't forget you Terry uh, say bye bye everyone bye bye
shout out. LGBT Radio for you.